Do you ever wonder what it would be like to be on a bench of coaches or a stable of coaches within an organization and get matched with clients? What are the ins and outs of that kind of coaching model? And how would you even begin? I talk about that and so much more with the perfect guest in today's show. So join me for episode 320 of the Star Coach Show. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the show. It's fabulous to have you here. We're going to be diving in today into the concept of being in an organization that offers coaching either to individuals or to other organizations. What are the benefits of that? What are potentially some of the drawbacks of that? And we're also going to be looking at some coaching questions about if you want to step into being a coach and you're thinking about, well, how do I get training for that? Or what are some of the things I need to think about? My guest and I today decided to dive into some of those things because we get asked those questions all the time. And we thought, wouldn't it be great to have a show that offered those answers to those questions? Starting with what's created this concept of coaching organizations that seem to just be growing by leaps and bounds. And I think that what has created this opportunity is that there's more and more evidence of the efficacy of coaching and what coaching does for leaders, for individuals. Therefore, we want to make it more accessible. And if you as a coach are thinking, you know, I would like to explore being on a panel of coaches or being on a bench of coaches. I want to coach from a bench of coaches that an organization is offering. How do I even begin? Then Eileen Schaefer and I are going to help you explore that today. Eileen is the CEO of Silicon Valley Change. She refers to it in the interview as SVC. She's also an executive leadership coach. She leverages her graduate work in life transitions counseling to really engage with her clients to thrive in the midst of ever-changing environments. Isn't that exactly what's happening? As a matter of fact, Eileen was on episode 109 with me, and we were talking about her work as a life transition coach through walking. And that's a great episode. If you want to go back and listen to 109, you are absolutely going to love it. When we think about the different skills that we bring forward as as a coach, Eileen is a great example of that. Her background with positive psychology, her stepping into this role as CEO, and she's going to talk to us about how do you even begin to engage with an organization that offers coaching, whether it's online coaching, where they're bringing coaches in at an hourly rate, whether it's working in a very high-end organization like hers that is very specific about the kinds of coaches that it brings in. 
whatever it is that you're exploring, where do you even begin in that? So in today's conversation, we're really going to be talking about what it's like to coach from the bench. And even at a deeper level, what it's like to engage with other like-minded professionals to help you up your game. So with all of that, you are just going to walk away with so much great information from our show today. Eileen is one of my favorite people. She works with senior executives in a variety of industry, and she's going to share with us how her role of being a connector helps create positive change for her clients and for the coaches on her bench. I just can't say enough about how excited I am to introduce you to Eileen Schaefer. So let's go to the interview and then we'll touch base on the other side. Eileen Schaefer, welcome back to the Star Coach Show. Thank you, Meg. I am thrilled to be here with you. I'm thrilled because this is my time to spend time with you. And you're so delightful to spend time with that. I'm like, could I interview you every single week? I would say yes, because the feelings are mutual. I love being with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we are going to dive into today the whole concept of how as coaches, we're better together. We're going to answer some questions that coaches or people who are exploring coaching tend to ask. And we want to kind of put those in a resource for people. We want to talk about the collective brain power of coaches. There's a lot we're going to dive into today, but where I would love to begin is what lights you up about the work you're doing? I love that question. And it's one that I'll ask clients all the time. And you forget to put put that spotlight back on yourself. I would say relationships. The relationship is what really gets me excited right now, which I know we'll dive into. I'm coaching as well as running an organization of coaches. So I have the privilege of getting to work with our whole bench of coaches on the Silicon Valley team as well as my HR partners. And so I have developed so many just beautiful relationships that I'm learning and growing from. I I often joke and say, I feel like I'm getting a masterclass day in and day out just by virtue of the relationships and the wisdom of the people in my circle at this point. So I think that's what gets me excited. And that is something that the more we get to interact with other people who are like-minded or or kind of soul soul like maybe that we're our souls are are that we we want to engage with other people and we want to help other people create the kinds of lives they want for themselves. I mean that that's a certain kind of person that's pulled into this profession. And when we are able to engage and and it's fun. I mean it's just like the energy is off the charts, right? It's so true. It is so true. And then I extend it to my clients, which I imagine you feel the same. It's they come into the space with us because they're they want to grow. They want to learn. They want to expand and spread their wings. So I feel like I get to the privilege of being with a client in that space. And then I get to be in that space with my colleagues. So it's that lights me up. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the journey you've been on. You were on our show in like over 200 shows ago. So you were on episode 109. If anybody hasn't heard that, that episode, it's, it's a 
a listener favorite. It's about, it's called Step Up Your Coaching. And it's it's about walking and coaching at the same time. So the concept of movement with coaching and what that does to creativity and listening. And oh, it's, it's, it's really dynamic. I really recommend if anybody hasn't to go back and visit episode 109. Not right now. You can listen to this episode first. But since that time, you've had quite an evolution in your own journey. At that time, you were primarily partnering with clients. And, and a lot of that was through walking. What has changed for you over this last several years? Yeah, it it has been a whirlwind. So when we met, as you said, I was working with the clients in my private practice. And the way that I work with those clients is through walking. And so episode 109 will go in detail about that. And then speed ahead, I had answered requests for coaches on an email from the organization where I had all my training. She said, there's an organization looking to bring in some additional coaches for a particular client. This is how you apply. I thought, oh, well, that sounds interesting. I think I'd, I'd love to try that. I'd, it'd be neat to be a part of an organization where there are other coaches, because as we know, when we're coaching in private practice, you're kind of on an island. You and are so, kind of isolated. Yeah. So even if yeah. you love working with your clients, you don't get that sort of as much of the creative juices flowing with other professionals. Exactly. And that camaraderie. And certainly, I find this profession to be so incredibly generous. I could, in a heartbeat, I feel like I could call you. I could call, we. you and I have several colleagues in common who are friends who I could call and say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Do you have resources for that? So yes, I could do that. And I thought, how cool to be part of a team of coaches. So I threw my my name in the ring. I applied, I had my interviews and so forth and speed ahead. I was offered a position to work with Silicon Valley Change on a specific project for a specific client. So Senya, our owner founder, brought in seven of us for this particular engagement. And then it evolved into more and more work, obviously, with Silicon Valley Change, which I loved. So I was doing my private practice and then the work with Silicon Valley. And what was neat as I did, I all of a sudden had this whole cohort of coaches who we, it's funny, I feel like I know them all so well, have spent so much time. However, it all started through Zoom. So I've only met a couple people in person this in this wild world we're in. So the relationships have developed over the years. And then speed ahead, a couple years later, Senya said, I have a conversation with you. I want to ask you a question. Is that sure? She said, she had been offered a position to be a chief people officer of a startup. And it was a very compelling opportunity and exciting for her. She said, however, Silicon Valley changes my heart and soul. I've developed this company. It's it's thriving. I want it to continue to grow and thrive. Would you have conversations with me around running the, the company? And what a confidence. vote of confidence for you. Wow. I, it it caught me quite off guard. Thank you. It was something I thought you, what you want me to step into this role. And so she had conversations with, I believe somebody else and speed ahead. I was offered the position and that was 
let's see, in April, it will be two years. I feel like with COVID, I'm, I've lost track of all time. Oh, you and the rest of the nation, ago. the globe. <laughs> yeah, we're all like, I don't know, it's been about two years. Everything's been about two years. Yeah, everything. Has, that's exactly it. Everything has been two years. So and it has been just an amazing opportunity that was so unexpected. So one of the things that we talked about was the fact that one of the things this role gives you the opportunity to do is to connect people. And you are a huge connector. That happens to be my top strength as well. So I'm just wondering, how do you see your role as coach and CEO and the maybe even the the responsibility to connect people? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's funny. And I would venture to say that's exactly why Senya probably thought of me for this. It's funny, people see in you something that you don't see in yourself. Well, and isn't that the beauty of coaching? And and Senya's a beautiful, beautiful coach. So that's probably something she thought, huh, Eileen, Eileen enjoys relationships. She Her sweet spot is connecting people. It is what makes my skin tingle. And so really what's neat is on our main bench of coaches, which you can see on our website, we have over 30 coaches on the website who all work on various engagements with us. And where I see that connection is really through working with our HR partners. So we we work with large organizations as well as individuals. So it I get calls coming in from, it might be an organization that says, hey, we want 20 leaders all coached at the same time. Or it might be we have a CEO who we need for. So what I love is just getting to really listen to what's the needs of the organization, what's the kind of the energy of the person who I for lack of a better word, of the person who needs the coaching, what are the objectives? And then what my mind starts going, oh, I could see them with this coach, possibly this coach. Oh, wait, they just told me this. Now I'm thinking this coach. And I I love it because my heart truly sings when I make a great match. And our coaches on our on our bench are just so phenomenal. I'm pretty guaranteed we're going to we're going to nail it for whatever organization or individual comes our way. And so then talking to the coach and making sure that what what are the what are the coaches looking for in an engagement? What where is their sweet spot? Because I want to make sure that the people on our team are getting to do what lights them up and brings them joy. So being able to do those, take both parties and bring them together. mm, I love it. It's just so that very concept of having a bench of coaches is one of the things that I knew our audience would be really interested in if that were something that and and not your organ. I know that your organization requires that they have a master's of positive psychology. Is that not accurate? Or they need they need to have a deep background in positive psychology. Okay. So the majority do have their masters from University of Pennsylvania. Then there are other coaches on our team who have certification in positive psychology and are positive psychology based coaches. And they were trained by people who went to the master's program. So that's so basically, I I think that right there, that's just an example of how different benches are going to have different requirements. So it's not so much that we thought, oh, let's let's talk about how people would get on your bench of coaches. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is if being a part of a 
a stable of coaches or a bench of coaches so that you have the kind of connectedness that we're talking about. You have the possibility to connect with different client bases. And this is something that sort of intrigued you, but you wouldn't even know where to begin. Eileen and I thought maybe we would start with talking a little bit about, now in your situation, you received an email from your from where you got your training to say, look, this is the situation. But what what would you what what would be some of the advice you would give for listeners who are thinking about, wow, where would I even start exploring something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think a few different things. One is going to sound so old school, even though people like you and me who really want to go old school, we'd say the yellow pages, which that's that's how long ago I started my work was having people look in the yellow pages. So now let's speed ahead to current times. I would do Google searches, honestly, on coaching organizations and coaching organizations that are in the space that you're interested in. So if it is executive coaching, if it's health coaching, if it's career coaching or relationship coaching, coaching. yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, plug it into Google and see what comes up and then see how to apply. Well, first off, obviously, see if it connects with you. Does that what they are providing their clients, does that resonate with you? Is that where you might see yourself? And then I would contact them directly. I get a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn to to get to connect and learn more about SBC. I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to people on LinkedIn. You might be able to find some coaches with that or within that organization, see if you can connect with them and begin to network. And I think it's like looking for any organization, whether you're job hunting or whether you're looking to join a bench, it's really do some research, see what connects with you, maybe connects with your values. If you can get a pulse on that, your specific interest in our case, in addition to the psychology, all of our coaches need to have high level professional experience before becoming a coach. And then they've had, I think, an average of 15 years of coaching experience, give or take, because we're coaching at such senior levels. So a manager straight through C-suite. If that's not your jam, there's plenty of organizations that are coaching newer managers or, or like you said, it could be career coaching. So really find who do you want to be coaching and then find an organization that's doing that. Love that. And so there's things to to consider. A, you would obviously, if it's a robust or a a well-vetted organization, you're going to be vetted for it. You're going to have to go, credible is the word. Thank you, Eileen. (laughs) So expect that you're going to have to fill out applications and probably be interviewed and maybe have to do some sample coaching. I certainly am aware of many organizations that require either a, a submitted recording or actually doing coaching in front of them. So these are all things that you just need to be thinking about. The more credible an organization is, the more that you're going to have to show that you're bringing a skill set that's something they would want to offer to their clients. Absolutely. There's going to be the two pieces that you mentioned. So one is going to be your credentials, what you bring to the table. A lot of the organizations, and this gets into something you and I were talking about previously, is joining ICF. If you are a coach and you're looking to join a bench of coaches in an organization, 
Most of the ones that I've seen, they recently, particularly some of the ones that are popping up more and more, the, there's a lot of online coaching. Yes. And as they recruit, they want minimum ACC. Some of them PCC is their baseline. Right. So, and for those people who are newer to coaching, that's that ICF credential. And so making sure that you have that, that you've gone to an accredited program as kind of a baseline, and then you'll submit an application And then, as you said, you'll be required to do some kind of sample coaching so that, and that's, that's what we had to do, or we had the, the opportunity to do, we were invited to do when I joined SVC, because yes, they want to see, yes, you can have a great education, you can be credentialed, all of that, but they want to make sure that your style also connects. And so, for example, in my position, when I've met with coaches, and we have a deeper bench of an additional 50 coaches. So we have about 80, over 80 coaches who have all been vetted for for our organization. And we are looking for also the kind of a personality fit and an energy fit too. There's right. such different because it it also extends the brand. And there are so many different styles of coaching. So the organization is looking for that fit just as you're looking for that fit. So it's just important for people to be aware that it is a process. The other thing that I would, so if somebody were to say, well, why would I, what would be the benefit to to join a bench of coaches? Because obviously you're going to get, I would assume that the organization keeps some of the fee and, and the coach gets paid a fee. And yet, so we talked about one of the benefits is that you're not, isolated. You're not alone. You're working with a group of coaches that, and let's, after we're done answering this, let's go also to what, what kinds of opportunities there are for education and sort of mind share together in that. But let, what are some of the advantages a coach would have in, in considering being a part of a bench of coaches? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said in terms of some fee sharing, because that I would say is one of one of the really big reasons people do like working with organizations. We come into this field because we love supporting people. We love the face. This is the fun part. The billing is not the fun part for us. If you're an accountant, that might be your fun part or you're exactly. you know you're a bookkeeper that might be your sweet spot and that is your strength for us coaches typically our strength our sweet pot, spot our joy is meeting face to face with clients so when you join an organization we take all that out of the equation and we do the negotiation and all of that on on your behalf. And yes, there you'll you'll be splitting and different organizations split it in different different ways. And some organizations, most chances are the organization doesn't you won't know what they are charging out for you, but you will know what your rate is. So if it's a rate that is significantly less than you make, you might say, I'm not interested in doing that. Or you might say, I'm happy to take a little bit of a hit because I'm not taking on any of, I don't have to sign an MSA. I don't have to do the SOW. All of that might be worth. So you want to think about a kind of the cost benefit to you once you know what your rate might be. So that's one. And one and you, you aren't necessarily out there 
research or bringing the clients in either the clients are reaching out directly to the organization so that's the other the two things that i hear coaches say they dislike the most is marketing and billing and so so being a part of an organization sort of takes care of those two pots Exactly. And for example, I was just on a coach call and this will lead me into my next thing as well with so every time we have an engagement with one of our we'll have organizations that again will sometimes send one leader but when they send groups of leaders, I meet with those coaches every usually every other week to every week to every other week so that we can meet as coaches and do a best practice call. And on this last call, one of our coaches was saying, I just loved my client. You, the match was so perfect. And so the joy of being part of an organization is I can get a sense of what's the client need? What's your sweet spot as a coach? And then I'm like, here's your client. You didn't do any marketing. You didn't do anything. And this beautiful match, match. this beautiful beautiful match. match. Exactly. So, so that is that marketing piece does get totally taken away as well as the billing piece. So two of those things that can kind of suck the life out of us. We, as coaches, we talk about what replenishes and drains. I'd say most coaches would put that in the draining pile. Right. Um, Right. So, so that's that piece in terms of the best practices calls. That is one of the real benefits I found when I joined and I love it in my role now, because like I said, I get to be a part of this group and then I'm constantly just learning and growing and improving my coaching by virtue of being surrounded by just these world-class coaches on calls. So different organizations, so again, run it differently. You, There's a lot of organizations that have popped up more recently that are on their virtual, virtual coaching and it's more for the masses. And right. I don't so you know might that- not get the hands-on experience that the exactly. or the the kinds of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, so I think that's a great question to ask. Different organizations are going to run really differently. What I love, I can talk about ours and I there might be other organizations that run this way as well. We really we tap the knowledge in our group. So I always will say to our clients, you are getting one coach that's matched with the leader. And, but it's really not just the, the brain power of one coach. It's the wisdom of the whole team on this project. And even if it's not this project, we have a Slack channel where someone will say, I have a client who really wants to up their one-to-one meetings with their, with their directs. Does anybody have a great resource to share? So we're pooling the best in class coaches to get the best in class resources. So our client benefits, and then we continue to grow as an organization or somebody will bring something in to a group. Hey, we're having a, my clients having a really tough time with engagement. And these are some of the questions I've been asking. This is what we've been working on. Anybody else have anything to throw in the mix? And so that's pretty cool because you're, as a coach, you're constantly upping your game without even taking your continuing education, which we need to do. However, this is like you said, it's hands-on practical experience that we're getting from our peers. Well, and I think it also says something about us as professionals when we're willing to ask for that help as well. So I think that that is a sign of somebody who's really at the top of their game, that they are able to say, okay, this is what I'm bringing, but what else might be available? That's sort of like ego to the side. Let's do what we need to do for our clients and and ask and trust that 
the coaches that are on the bench with us also have value to add. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful way to say that. It's You have to have confidence to say, I feel like there might be more. What do you all have to throw throw in? And we say this about our clients will say it's hard to read the label when you're trapped in the jar. I would say that about coaches too. When you're in that moment with your client, you're asking the questions that come to you at the time, you're helping them uncover things, but you're also in the moment. You're in the jar with them at some point too. And so these meetings allow you to get out of the jar and get some insight from people who might have a fresh perspective. So what I would add to that, for any of you who are like, that sounds great, but I just don't see that joining a bench of coaches is in my future. I would say, well, what could you do to put together a mastermind with other coaches? Or how could you connect the the Star Coach community as a connection? Or the like, what is available out there so that you're not isolated and trying to figure it all out yourself? Because the coaching community is a really amazing community. I love that point. I can't agree more, Meg. I think we have the ability to build community. It goes back to what you and I, what we love and what's our strength is, is that building community. And it doesn't have to, if something doesn't exist, build it. And when I think back to the programs that I've been in through not only graduate school, both you and I come from a counseling background first before going into the coaching space. But whether it's if you come from a counseling background, you might have a cohort who you connected with there, or your coach training or any, even I did the shift positive. I know you have you had Pete and Jen on your show, the shift positive, which is a a 360 an interview based 360, which is a phenomenal tool. That training, I ended up well, actually, I took two people from that training who now are on our team because they were so phenomenal. However, that created a community and you could pluck from all your continuing education, your courses, and just think, who are people who I would love to continue to learn and grow alongside and then create that. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. Let's talk about what it would be like to be a thriving coach who has a community that you can bounce ideas off of and grow and learn and create the kind of business that supports you bringing the impact that you want into the world. That is exactly what we do through the Star Coach member community. There is such power to connection and community It's one of the key ways that I have created the business that I have today. And what I hear from members is that when they are able to connect with one another, get out of the isolation of trying to do everything on their own and work with myself and the other experts in the community, as well as one another, they are moving the dial on their businesses. They are moving the dial on their confidence. They are creating the kind of like-minded community that helps them have the results that they want. And I invite you to join us and to be a part of that incredible community so that you begin to see the results that you want right now 
early 2023 so that when we're talking in a couple months, you have moved the dial and you are getting the results that you want in your business, whether that's increased confidence, increased income, increased connection. So go to starcoachshow.com slash 320 and in the show notes, click on the link to explore the membership community. starcoachshow.com slash 320 community. Now let's get back to our interview. So there are always opportunities and I want to challenge all of you to be stretching and and always thinking about how to continue in your own evolution and growth as a coach, because it'll make you more vibrant and excited about what you do. It will bring more to the table with what you offer to your clients. And I just happen to think it'll make you a happier professional. So that's just my two cents worth. I agree. When you think about mirror neurons, you know, it, we do, we, we pick up that from each other and it, it can, it gives you this burst of energy. Exactly. So, so much about the brain power, the combined brain power and and the excitement that goes along with that, that that sort of taps a little bit into the whole concept of growth mindset. Was there anything that you wanted to add just through that lens? Yeah, I I think one of the things that you tapped on that lens so well is even on our bench where we have people who arguably have been at the top of their field for quite some time, they still have a growth mindset. And so a growth mindset is for from the very beginning of when we start anything, hopefully until we take our last breath. If it is, I mentioned to Meg right before this, I'm writing an article on growth mindset right now because I, I feel deeply about we don't always want a growth mindset, particularly in things, for example, that we're not super interested in learning. However, I presume if you're on listening to this show, coaching is an area that you want to dive deeper into. And With that, having a growth mindset allows your ego to get put aside and to realize, wow, there's so much more that I can learn and develop. And through my community and by asking help, asking support, I will continue to keep being a better coach and having more fun in the process. Exactly. So one of the things that Eileen and I share in common is that just by the nature of what we do and how we are connected with other coaches, we get asked lots of questions about coaching. And we thought that this might be a great place to bring some of those commonly asked or those questions that we commonly get asked so that this becomes a resource for all of you who maybe you get asked this question and you want to let people know, you know what, Megan, Eileen talked about that on this episode. So one of the things that that people approach us about is how do I get started in coaching? And when when people ask you that, Eileen, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, and, and it's been a question, Meg, I've gotten so much recently, particularly after stepping into this role. And it's funny, it's come from family, it's come from friends, and it's come from people I don't know on LinkedIn or what have you. One of the big things is, do you need specific training? Because I think our profession can look like it's kind of you watch a professional tennis player and you think that's not that hard. I, I think I just hit the ball. 
You just hit the ball and you get on the court and you think, I'm going to look just like, you know, Serena Williams. And, and, and instead, we look like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, exactly. Because she is so good at what she does, she makes it look really easy. And I think coaching, not to compare coaching to Serena Williams, however, coaching can have that effect. It can seem like really just asking questions that's not that hard. Isn't that what you do with friends? And I, what I think, I think my own story might be effective here. To yeah, absolutely. I started with my master's in counseling psychology, and I thought I was doing coaching before getting credentialed in coaching. And after completing my coaching certification and through an accredited program through the ICF, all of a sudden I thought, I want to call back all my clients that I, that I worked with 10 years ago, 15 years ago, so that I can actually do real coaching with them because I realized how effective it is. And so I think that's one of the first things I say to people is if this is a space you want to get into, I don't care if you have a counseling degree. I don't care if you've been a consultant forever. Counseling and consulting is not coaching. And so go get a coaching degree or a coaching certification from an accredited program so that you learn how to support people in a way that's going to be most effective for them. Absolutely. So that and I would agree with that. One of the, the privileges that I have is I teach the very first course for, at the University of Texas at Dallas as, as they enter their year-long program. I'm the very first instructor. So I have the honor of saying, this is what coaching is. This is what mentoring is. This is what teaching is. This is what co consulting is. This is what therapy is. And this is what coaching is. And what ends up happening is that I get a plethora of, oh, I thought I've been coaching all these years and I wasn't coaching. I was doing this or that or the other thing. So then it, it sort of level sets everyone. And, and then we can begin so let's learn what coaching is and let's really learn how to use this muscle effectively so that if you choose ever to step into a teaching or to a mentoring for some reason, you're stepping away from coaching versus just thinking that I'm coaching when I'm doing all of these things. I really want that inquiry reflective muscle to be built. Exactly. Exactly. I think that is Step one is to understand what the landscape is. And there is, there can be overlap. And one reason that I love having a counseling background is I'm abundantly aware and what is coaching and when do I need to refer out? And I do refer out to therapy quite a bit and therapists refer to me, which I'm, I'm assuming the same. And so being able to know what's, what's your lane and what is that coaching lane? And and I think oftentimes people, when they've hit, I actually was just talking to a good friend of mine who's interested in possibly exploring coaching. He also has a high level of skill where he could be a great consultant. And I said, you might want to start with consulting and go and get your coaching certification at the same time, because consulting, you have that ability to be consulting right now. Right. And then layer on the coaching. So there's different ways if you feel like, oh, I don't know that I can start cold turkey. There might be ways that you dip your toe in and start your education while you're still being able to work with clients in a non-coaching capacity, but that is still effective for them. Well, and I think that that's the other thing that when we're thinking about starting, particularly if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, the 
concept of giving yourself time to grow something. In the, the very first episode of the Star Coach Show, I visited with Cynthia Lloyd-Darst, who is a lovely master certified coach. And she said, I don't know what it is about coaching that people think, I don't have an income. I'm going to become a coach. And and just like, I'm going to hang a shingle and suddenly I'm there, I'm just going to be inundated with clients. It <laughs> takes a while to build a sustainable coaching business. So yes. whether you are, when I first got credentialed, I was still in my therapy. I still had my private practice as a therapy practice. It, and built up coaching and started to let go of taking therapy clients. I didn't expect that my income was just going to suddenly all be coaching income. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so smart. You, you can dip your toe in while you still have your foot here. And the more you dip here, it's kind of you're, you're navigating both. And at some point you switch more into the direction you, you want to go. Absolutely. And then one thing, just going back to, the coaching program too, just as coaching organizations have different areas of focus, same with the coaching program. That's the other thing that I get asked a lot, which program should I do? And I could talk about the program I took forever. I loved it. And it was the perfect program for me. It's exactly what I needed. However, it is not the right program for everybody. So you really want to think about what area of coaching do I want to go into? In my case, I knew I wanted to go deeper into positive psychology. I also had my master's. Had I not had my master's in counseling, which I did feel it gave me a really solid foundation on human development because the program was on life transitions, counseling, and adult development. So it was very focused on you're here now, where do you want to be going? I had a great foundation. Had I not had that I might have chosen chosen a different coaching program that provided a different kind of foundation. So really knowing where are you starting from and where do you want to go and then start asking the questions of the organizations, finding out how they train their their people. Is it virtual or not virtual? I, I don't know if you've played, a, you probably have played around on the ICF site. Yes. They have all the, the programs. They have a beautiful system laid out. So you can plug in virtual and not virtual what area of coaching you want to go into. And then you can sort through and see, okay. Yeah, what might start? be a fit for me? Who do, who's worth giving a call to? Exactly. I don't know how many organ, how many coaching programs I spoke with before mm-hmm. I picked one. And same kind of thing. Eileen wanted one for positive psychology. She looked specifically for that. I knew coming from a therapist to a coach that there were a plethora of programs that were, that were, uh, therapist to life coach. I knew that that wasn't my motivate. I wanted to become an executive coach. I was making the transition because I really wanted to help organizations be healthier places for people to work based upon the experience I'd had as a therapist. So I looked for executive coaching programs. I looked for executive coaching programs that kind of helped me learn the way that I know that I learned and what was beneficial. So those, all those things. And Eileen and I were also talking before we started the interview about the importance of practice. Does the the school that you're picking or the program that you're picking really emphasize that you're going to get in there and coach because there is a huge leap from theoretically learning it and thinking, oh, just like Serena Williams, that looks so easy or that makes so much sense. And and 
you can learn it, but you have to move it into practical. You have to move it from theoretical to practical. That's where the art of coaching comes in. And that's where really the clunkiness comes in. And you've got to walk through the clunkiness to get to the art. It's so true. And I don't know if you had this experience. I, The woman who ran our coaching program, who is the founder of the organization where I've done all of my positive psychology work, She is one of the most beautiful coaches. It's just amazing. And she makes it look really, really easy. So we would all watch. And then I thought, okay, this can't be that hard. But I had so much pressure. And I don't know for yourself, people knew that I had came from a counseling background and that I had done, again, what I thought was coaching for quite some time. And they kept saying, well, you're going to be great at it. I'm like, I'm I'm not going to be great at it. I'm in this with you. I'm learning yes. alongside We're you. all in the same boat. We are all the same boat. And it was, I really floundered at first. Like it was awkward. It was really awkward. And I wanted to be good because I felt like I should be good. And that was not the case. And right. so being able to really watch someone do it so gracefully, know that we put such pressure on ourselves to be able to do it and then realize, okay, again, going back to the growth mindset, I'm not there yet. And I have time to lean into this and practice and get better. And that's so a program that had that safe space to be psychologically safe environment where you could flounder, you could say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I should have asked this question. That to me, that was important to have that kind of environment. And then we also talked about the fact that when both of us first went into coaching, maybe being a a member of the International Coaching Federation was not as emphasized then as it is now. But as everything evolves, one of the things that has become really apparent to both of us is that organizations more and more are recommending or requiring that people have an ICF certification, whether the beginning level, I mean, beginning level is ACC, but some organizations will say that they want somebody PCC or MCC, some will take ACC. But the key thing is being the member of an organization that has ethics and standards and is requiring continuing education, all the kinds of things that when we're in a profession, that is a requirement. What are your thoughts about this whole concept of, well, do I join the ICF or not? Yeah, I I echo everything you just said. When I first started, it, it wasn't such an important thing to do. Chances are, if you have, if you're doing life coaching with individual clients, they probably are not going to ask you. However, now I'm going to put a plug on that and say, if you are working with organizations more and more, they are asking. So there's that. If you want to work with a online organization, even if it's just or not just even if it is, whether it's health coaching, whether it's career coaching or life coaching, and you're part of one of the online networks, they are going to want you to have that usually you have to check that box and you can't get further in the application process. For me, I am so glad that I did go through go through and got it. And again, as I said, when I first started, I have two friends, one who's an MCC, and she said, you don't really need it, you're fine. And then I asked her again, the following year, she said, you need to get it. And so it the, the landscape has changed tremendously at warp speed. And so for me, I feel like I, I like having it. And I do in this role, I know it's important to the people who we, we work with for 
some of them, not for everybody, but some of the clients, it is important. What I do like and what's on my agenda today is to finish my ethics course, because you do have to do the continuing education. You want to make sure that you're staying up to speed. I'm getting ready to sign up for another CEU course that's coming up in December. So it's keeping my learning fresh. And then that's also fun because as coaches on our bench, we'll come back and we'll have in-services to share what we've learned at our, when we've done CEUs, which is neat too. So I say 100% and most importantly, what I do say is go to a program that is accredited fully with ICF because it does make the process a lot easier. There are different levels that ICF accepts your education. And if you go to one that's ACTP, then they've already said, rubber stamp, you're good. And then you follow the rest of the process. It just is streamlined. They put all the they put all the pieces together for you You do the work, but they put all the pieces together for you, which is great. Eileen, I could talk to you for days and days. However, I know that you're a busy lady. And so I'm just wondering, as as we wrap up our time together, uh, and the concept of the value of being around other coaches, the concept of connection and that we're better together. Is there any any remaining thoughts you want to add about that? Yeah, I think as we say with our clients, you have all that you need and all that you need you have. So I do feel that that's true with coaches as individuals and you can be even more enriched, more enhanced by having a team of colleagues. And I really want to refer back to what you said is it doesn't have to be in a structured organization like Silicon Valley Change or one of the other many that you'll find out there. That is a path and it's a beautiful path to take if it works for you. And if it doesn't, building your own community, because we do, we have we have that capability to just expand our world by virtue of being with one another. Thank you for being with us to share these really important, well, things to think about and and to determine how we're going to apply those to our own growth as a coach. I'm going to have links for how to connect with Eileen in the show notes. Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure. And thank you for being part of my circle. I am so grateful to have you in my in my world. So thank it's, you. It's such an honor. So I want to thank Eileen Schaefer again for bringing her expertise to the show. If you want to know more about Eileen and the work that she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 320. My Time with Eileen continues in our membership community. So if you would once again like to connect with other like-minded coaches and really meet your goals as a coach, explore the Star Coach member community at starcoachshow.com slash 320 and pick up the link there. Next week, I welcome Dr. Tom Krapu to the show. We're going to be talking about creating a feedback culture and the importance of setting up culture for feedback. I want to thank you for being here with me today as we explore all things coaching. I invite you to subscribe wherever you listen to the show and let other coaches know about the show because the more coaches that know, the more coaches are going to be meeting their needs and creating the kinds of businesses and impact they want to have and it's just going to be a huge ripple effect. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. 
have a wonderful day.